Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Good morning. It is a pleasure and a joy to be here. I'm, I'm so excited about what God is doing at our campuses. Uh, he is just so good to us. Um, but when I was a kid, there was this day, uh, my dad, he was headed out to the garage and he told me, hey, there, there's something living in our garage. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to catch it. And so as a kid, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm coming with. This is going to be awesome. And so I go with him out there and I'm just thinking in my mind, this is kind of like a, a movie. Some mythical beast, some creature is living in this cave that we call a garage. And so we head outside. My dad starts to set the trap. It's like this rectangle trap. He puts the, the bait in the middle, opens the, the door. Uh, the, the animal would go inside. It would go after the bait. And then eventually the, that door would shut, catching and trapping that animal. So I'm sitting there with my dad watching him do it. My, my brother, he goes up to the garage and he kind of screams into the darkness, it is eviction day, it's time to pack. Um, so eventually my dad goes in, he, he places the trap and we all head inside and I'm just thinking in my head, oh my gosh, what are we going to catch? I, I fall asleep next morning, I wake up, my brother Josh, he's bursting through the door saying, we got something! So I'm excited, but I head outside with him. I, I see my dad kneeling next to the trap, and I yelled at him, well, what did we catch? And he looks at me, he stares me right in the eyes, and there is fear in that man's eyes, and, and kind of a grossed out look on his face. He says, well, it, it looks like we caught a possum. I'd never seen a possum before in my life at that time. And so I just kind of stood there staring at that creature in the cage. It didn't look real. It looked like something out of a, a low-budget B-movie. And I just kind of stared at it, petrified. It's hissing. It's showing its sharp little teeth. It's, it's moving around, trying to escape. So I, I just kind of back up farther and farther away from it. And I tell my dad, do not let that thing out. Just keep it in the cage. I go back inside, but I, I had nightmares for days after that. I would dream that that, that possum, it would, it would be in the cage. It would get larger and larger and larger until eventually the cage, it would just burst. It would come out of the cage and it would start to chase me and it would end up biting me. Uh, an unwanted pest growing into a ruthless monster with, with the only intent to devour when it comes to our emotions, sometimes it may feel like we have caged some wild animal in our hearts, an unwanted creature that has taken up residence in our heart, an emotion that we fear will eventually devour us whole. But for some reason, we continue to feed that creature, making it stronger and stronger. We, we trap sadness, we trap fear, we trap disappointment, we trap jealousy, we trap loneliness. These negative feelings, they, they, they begin to hiss and show their teeth, leading us to feel helpless. The monster, it begins to control our thoughts, giving us sleepless nights. Eventually, that, that emotion, it grows so big in our hearts. It takes up 
almost all the room. We have no room for anything else because of this monster that we have caged and trapped in our heart. The emotion, it consumes us, it begins to control us. It keeps us from living the life that we want. It keeps us from being the person that we want. It begins to affect our relationships. It begins to affect our self-worth. Have you been there? Maybe feeling controlled by negative emotions that have taken up residence in your heart? One emotion we tend to trap a lot in our heart is the creature named guilt. That's a hard one, right? Uh, Guilt, it is a very sneaky emotion. It will find its way into our hearts without us even noticing sometimes. But eventually we begin to feel the weight of that guilt. We begin to recognize the results of the guilt that we are allowing to occupy our hearts. And the truth about guilt, it's not only an emotional response, it has a spiritual response as well. And it begins to affect our relationship with God. As that guilt is caged, we begin to feed it. We feed it with self-condemnation. We feed it with despair. We begin to believe that this guilt is our punishment to carry with us the rest of our lives because of the mistakes that we have made. This trap creature that we've hidden in our hearts, it begins to consume us. It begins to dictate what we do. It begins to dictate how we respond. And Satan, he loves to use guilt against us. He uses guilt to try and trap us in a cycle of sin and shame, feeding the creature guilt that we've caged, causing that guilt to grow more and more, creating this monster in a a cycle that never ends. And as we allow it to grow in our hearts, inch by inch it begins to push out God, negatively affecting our relationship with God and that, that guilt, it begins to rob us of our joy and rob us of our peace. And guilt, it can cause us to isolate, making us think that no one wants anything to do with us. Why would they when we have this creature growing inside of us, devouring us? We remove ourselves from others thinking isolation is also a part of our punishment. And as we focus more on the guilt more than we focus on God, we allow that guilt to control us, leading to anxiety, leading to depression, leading to a distorted self-image, a caged creature that attracts more pests into our hearts. But how do we regain control of our hearts? What kind of pest control do we need to rid ourselves of this, this unwanted guilt Because here's the truth, guilt, it's going to come, right? It's a natural emotion to feel, but how do we deal with the guilt in a healthy way? And and how do we allow God to help us in that process? How can we get to the point where we don't allow the guilt to remain in our hearts? How do we get rid of the creature? How do we evict the guilt and allow something else to move in? In the book of Luke, we find a man named Zacchaeus. And he, he lives in this, this famous city called Jericho. Maybe you've heard it before, but Zacchaeus, he's a very wealthy man. But that wealth, it has come at a great cost. Zacchaeus, he's a tax collector, not just any tax collector. He is the chief tax collector. So it's like he's in charge of all the other tax collectors in that district. Tax collectors, they were often Jewish people who worked for the Roman government. And they were viewed as traitors by the other Jewish people, they they were viewed as sinners. 
Not only because they worked for the Romans, but because most of these tax collectors, they would often overcharge people as they collected the taxes, making a profit off of that extra money that they'd collect. And other Jewish people, they wanted nothing to do with them. People, they did not like Zacchaeus, and they let him know it. So because of his profession, Zacchaeus, he was an outcast. He was not accepted by his own Jewish people. But let's be clear, Zacchaeus, he is not the victim. He has used his position to become rich and and take as much as he wanted from others. But I'm sure by betraying his own people, by doing the things that he did, by stealing from them, guilt, it found its way into his heart. He trapped the guilt in his heart, but he continued to take as much money as often as he could, hoping that acquiring more money, acquiring more power would eventually subdue this creature guilt in his heart. But it only made the guilt stronger, becoming a monster that began to control him, leading him to continue down the wrong path, leading him to continue doing the wrong thing. Stuck in a cycle of sin and shame, hoping that eventually something he finds is going to numb the pain. Feeling like an outcast and feeling all alone, Zacchaeus, he yearns for something to ease his guilt, something to break the cycle, someone that could maybe even kill the monster that is growing inside of him. Have you been there, maybe feeling controlled by some form of guilt that you carry in your heart? You allow the guilt, you allow the shame, you allow the regret to control your choices and your actions, causing you to believe that you, be, you deserve this terrible feeling, which leads you down the path of sin in hopes to find something that is going to numb the pain. And the path of sin, it will not quiet the creature. It, it only feeds it, causing it to grow, causing us to think that we are all alone as a result, causing us to wonder if God even wants anything to do with us. Well, why would we, why would he when we have this creature growing inside of us? One day the word around town was, was that there was a man coming to Jericho. This, this man's name was Jesus. And the word, it traveled quickly and soon there was a crowd of people gathered in hopes to get a glimpse of Jesus as he entered the city. And many people, they had heard of Jesus, they had heard of his teachings, they had heard of his miracles, they had heard that Jesus, he might just be the Messiah, the one that God had promised. Zacchaeus, he had also heard all of these things, but Zacchaeus, he had also heard something else about Jesus. He had heard that maybe, just maybe, Jesus would accept people like him. The outcasts, the sinners, the, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. You, you can imagine the guilt inside Zacchaeus' heart growling at the thought, uh, attempting to make Zacchaeus believe that Jesus would not accept him. No one else has accepted him, so why would the Messiah? But what if? Zacchaeus wondered, what if uh, there was something nudging its way into the heart of Zacchaeus? Something that was starting to overpower the guilt. Something causing Zacchaeus to want to take a chance. It was hope. A small amount of hope, just a sliver of hope. But it was enough to get Zacchaeus to go out and seek for Jesus. Eventually, he, he finds this large crowd gathered waiting for Jesus. 
He looks at the crowd, he thinks, ah, there's no way I'm going in that crowd. These are the people that I have overcharged, the people I have cheated. But he knows that beyond that crowd is Jesus. So he decides, oh man, I'm just not going to move. He decides that he's going to do whatever it takes to see Jesus. So he sees a tree next to him. He goes to that tree, he climbs up that tree. And he starts to peer out as he gets to the top and he's got the perfect view. And there in the middle of the crowd, he sees Jesus. Now you can imagine as Zacchaeus climbed this tree, everyone was laughing. This was not normal behavior, especially for a wealthy man. He looked like a, um, a, a kid, a child climbing this tree. But Zacchaeus, he did not care how undignified he looked. That sliver of hope in his heart, it was leading him to do whatever it takes to see Jesus. And once he was up there, he sees Jesus just moving through the crowd. And then eventually something unthinkable happens. Jesus, he stops and he looks up. Jesus, he locks eyes with Zacchaeus. Jesus, he's looking right at him. And and Zacchaeus, he just kind of freezes there in the tree, not knowing what to do. He's not used to people looking him in the eyes. Here's what happens next. Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay at your house today. Jesus, he calls him down from the tree and he, he calls him to come to him And Zacchaeus, he does not hesitate. The the Bible says that he hurried down. He made his way through the crowd, no longer afraid of of facing those people that he had cheated. Uh, He was going to do whatever it took to get to Jesus. And with that creature guilt still dwelling in his heart, Zacchaeus, eventually he reaches the feet of Jesus and falls to his knees. Now now Jesus, he had invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus, he accepted Jesus, he wasn't merely looking to preach to Zacchaeus. He wasn't looking to humiliate Zacchaeus. He wasn't looking to feed more guilt into Zacchaeus' heart. He was looking to have a real relationship with Zacchaeus. Beginning with a meal and some time spent together. But Zacchaeus, he had to welcome and receive Jesus in order for that relationship to begin. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus... He gladly did so. But the crowd who was watching this all happen, they did not like it. Here's what the Bible says. Everyone who saw this started grumbling. This man, Zacchaeus, is a sinner. And Jesus is going home to eat with him. Even in the presence of Jesus, you can imagine the guilt trapped in Zacchaeus' heart begin to growl as he hears the whispers from the crowd around him. I mean, again, these are the people that he has cheated, that he has stolen from. People that he had overcharged, but the more time Zacchaeus spent with Jesus, his heart, it began to change. And eventually Zacchaeus, he gets this idea. Here's what the Bible says. But Zacchaeus, he stood up, he said, look, Lord, here and now I give half of what I own to those who are poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back. I will will pay back four times the amount I took. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. You are a member of Abraham's family line. The the son of man came to look for the lost and save them. Now Zacchaeus, he had been drawn to Jesus. 
He was seeking out Jesus because he believed that maybe, just maybe, Jesus would accept him. And Jesus, he did more than that. He called Zacchaeus by his name. Jesus makes sure that Zacchaeus feels known and seen. And with a a heart full of guilt and shame, Zacchaeus, he comes down from that tree and he approaches and he receives Jesus. And in the presence of Jesus, upon accepting Jesus' invitation, Zacchaeus' heart, it begins to shift. It begins to change. Zacchaeus, he is no longer only seeking Jesus, but now he is also seeking repentance. His repentance leads him to want to give back what he had stolen. And in that moment of repentance, Zacchaeus, he receives forgiveness from Jesus. Jesus declaring that salvation had come to his house. No longer feeling like an outcast, no longer feeling lost, but feeling found by Jesus. The forgiveness that Jesus gave Zacchaeus that day, that forgiveness, it was more freeing, it was more powerful than the guilt that had been trapped in his heart. The love and forgiveness of Jesus that allowed Zacchaeus to let out the guilt and make more room for Jesus. Maybe you have felt like Zacchaeus at different times in your life. I know I have. A number of times I felt like the guilt that I, that I had in my life, I carried that guilt in my heart and it caused me to feel like an outcast. Caused me to believe lies in my head that no one wanted anything to do with me. Causing me to get stuck in a cycle of sin and shame. And maybe you've been there before or maybe you feel like you are there today. Burdened by guilt, held captive by the monster trapped and growing in your heart. When we have guilt trapped in our heart, growing stronger every day, we have to start the process of moving that guilt out. It can take time, but once we start the process of moving that guilt guilt out, it frees up space in our heart for Jesus to move in. And little by little, as we make more room for Jesus, we are making more room for the grace of God. And truthfully, as we are reminded of God's grace, guilt, it does not stand a chance. Guilt, it cannot survive inside of our hearts alongside God's grace. They cannot coexist. So we have, what we have to do is we have to start the eviction process of guilt. We start moving guilt out and moving more and more of God's grace in. And it all starts with Jesus. Jesus, he is our grace. He is our gift from God. Jesus, he can give us the strength and the protection we need, but we have to seek him out. We have to shift our hearts towards him. Even with guilt snarling and growling in our hearts, we have to do whatever it takes to look for Jesus. And as we seek out Jesus, we begin to recognize the monster, the guilt that is growing in our hearts. It's taking up residence And then we begin to realize the damage it's causing to our lives and how it's keeping us from being who God wants us to be. So the first step in the process of evicting guilt is acknowledge the guilt. We acknowledge it. We pick up the trap. We stare at the monster in the eyes and we process that guilt. Sometimes acknowledging the guilt means understanding that we did do something wrong. We come to terms with whatever has caused the guilt. And that's exactly what happened with Zacchaeus. There was something inside of him that was making him feel lost and and feel unaccepted. And that feeling, it, it drew him to Jesus. 
Once he acknowledged the guilt he had inside and and led him to seek out Jesus, to seek the acceptance of Jesus. I'm going to switch mics. Jesus, he, he is calling us to seek him out as well. Even if our hearts are full of guilt, even if we are burdened by regret and shame, he wants us to bring that guilt to him, to acknowledge and recognize the guilt and then seek out our friend Jesus to help in the process. Jesus, he is calling all of us down from that tree, telling us that we can process that guilt with him. That uh, part of having a relationship with Jesus is, is having conversations with him, right? Just like Zacchaeus, spending time with him. So we can pray, we can ask Jesus for help, we can ask Jesus to aid us in removing that guilt from our hearts. And this is going to lead us to a place of repentance. And that's the next step in the eviction process. Confess the guilt. Confessing our guilt, it will take power away from it. We no longer hide it, which means we are no longer feeding it. We spend so much time hiding from the guilt, doing whatever we have to to numb the guilt, and it only causes that guilt to just grow more and more. But as we confess it, as we seek forgiveness for what we did that caused the guilt, we begin moving that guilt out of our hearts. Those two words, I'm sorry, those two words, they can change everything. That confession, it it takes control away from the guilt, allowing us to finally let it out. No matter what the cause of the guilt is, whether we we sinned against God, whether uh, we disobeyed our our loved ones, whether we disobeyed ourselves, when we confess it and we release it, that's when healing can begin. That's what Zacchaeus did in the presence of Jesus After Jesus calls him by name, Zacchaeus' heart, it begins to change. He knows that he has to release the guilt and he has to repent. And that repentance, it led him to do whatever he could to right the wrongs he had made, to give back what he had stolen and even give to the poor as well. And as we confess our wrongdoings to God in the name of Jesus, he forgives us. Creating gratitude in our hearts for the grace that we receive from from him. But it starts with that confession. When, when, When we confess, that's when we begin to feel our hearts begin to change. Because confession, that is the guilt's eviction notice. Which allows us to complete the eviction process. Evict the guilt. And as we let the guilt out, we release it. We move it out of our hearts. It allows God to work. It frees up that room. No longer is our heart occupied by the creature guilt, but instead we have a heart ready to be filled with whatever God desires. It allows the grace that we receive through Jesus to move in and be at the forefront of our heart, but we have to accept that grace. Just like Zacchaeus, we have to receive Jesus as he invites himself to our home, as he invites himself into our hearts. We have to welcome him. We have to receive him. And when we welcome him gladly, we are accepting his grace. And as we accept the grace that we receive through God, from God through Jesus, we begin to see how it transforms our hearts. After evicting guilt from our heart, we have to accept God's grace and then we have to let it work. 
When we believe and accept the grace we receive from God because of Jesus, it begins to work in our hearts. Jesus, he comes into our hearts. He starts to redecorate. He starts to clean up all the mess that the guilt has left behind. But, but here's the question. What does the work of God's grace, what does it do to our heart? What does it change? What exactly does God's grace do that is going to help us deal with guilt in the future? Now part of the problem with guilt is, is as we trap that guilt in our heart, it begins to direct us where we go, leading us down the path of sin and shame, causing us to hide and become anxious but when we are reminded of God's grace, it can change how we are affected by the guilt. Here's what it says in Romans. Those who belong to Christ Jesus are no longer under God's judgment. Because of what Christ Jesus has done, you are free. You are free. You are now controlled by the law of the Holy Spirit who gives you life. When we strive to be more like Jesus, as we strive to follow him more, it reminds us that we are forgiven. The presence of Jesus in our hearts, it, it reminds us that no matter how bad we mess up, no matter how many mistakes we make, God, he will forgive us when we seek forgiveness. Fully knowing that and fully accepting, that the, accepting the grace that God offers. When we make a mistake, we are no longer directed to the guilt, nor are we allowing the guilt to direct us, but instead we are directed to the Holy Spirit. Because of God's grace, our, our hearts become redirected to Him in all circumstances, even if it involves guilt. The work of God's grace, it redirects our heart. And with our heart redirected to the Holy Spirit, we do not give guilt a foothold in our heart. We are not directed towards things that are going to harm or damage us, but instead we are directed towards what will give us life. But sometimes that guilt, sometimes that guilt, it trains us to not forget. That guilt will make us feel like a part of our punishment is to, is to always remember all of the mistakes that we have made. And that's a way guilt takes up residency in our heart. It won't let us forget. But when we are reminded of God's grace, it can change how we are affected by guilt. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. God, he has done it all. He sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. And he has given us the work of making peace between himself and others. Because of God's grace that we receive through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are made new. Not only are our sins forgiven, but they are forgotten. They are long gone. They are in the past. And as we accept God's grace, we are reminded that, the, that he does not hold anything, not a thing against us. And we are filled with hope because we know that we are made new through Jesus. So the work of God's grace, it, it renews our heart. With our heart renewed because of Jesus, we don't give guilt a foothold in our hearts. Instead, we bask. We, we, we just sit in God's forgiveness, and it breaks the chains of guilt and shame. It allows us to move on from the mistakes that we have made, allowing us to have a brand new beginning. 
But guilt, it, it will also sometimes, often uh, make us feel like we are constantly, constantly in harm's way. It can make us feel like we are weak and we are frail, like we have no protection from bad things in our life. We begin to feel like we deserve everything, that, everything bad that happens to us because of this guilt that we carry. And that's a way that Satan will use our guilt against us, causing us to give in to that cycle of sin and shame. But when we are reminded of God's grace, it will change how we are affected by guilt. Here's what it says in 2 Thessalonians, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. He will guard you from the evil one. We trust in the Lord, so we are sure that you are doing the things we tell you to do. And we are sure that you will keep on doing them. May the Lord fill your hearts with God's love. May Christ give you the strength to go on. We serve a faithful God, a God that does not wish us harm, but a God that wishes to protect us from harm. Because of Jesus, the grace we receive, it can protect us from Satan's attacks. God's grace, it enables us to fight off the emotions that are attempting to take up residence in our hearts. God's gra grace, it, that grace, it becomes the pest control that we need in our hearts. And as we accept God's grace, our hearts, they become reinforced with what is needed to keep them strong, even if it involves guilt. The work of God's grace, it reinforces our heart. And with our heart reinforced because of God's grace, we don't give guilt a foothold in our heart. Instead of living in fear because of our guilt and shame, we live knowing that God's grace, it provides us with the protection that we need in the face of whatever, whatever hardship, whatever struggle this life might bring. God's grace, it reminds us that He is capable of anything and that He is faithful in every aspect of our lives. And that is the eviction process for guilt. We acknowledge, we confess, we evict, and we accept God's grace. We move guilt out and we make room for Jesus to move in. We make room for God to occupy every inch of our heart, allowing his grace to take control of our heart, transforming our hearts to be of use to him, allowing God's grace to redirect, renew, and reinforce your heart will give God control of your heart. And when God is in control of our heart, it allows us to be filled with his goodness. It allows us to be filled with his kindness. It allows us to be filled with his love, his gentleness. And then in turn, we get to give that goodness, that kindness, that love, that gentleness, all the, those things that we receive from God. As he fills with it, us with it, we get to give that to others, giving them a glimpse of Jesus. But we can't do that if we allow guilt to occupy our hearts. So we have to evict it. I preached this sermon uh, last weekend in Beloit. I preached it on Saturday night, and I just didn't feel good about it. I'm my own worst critic. I know that one of um, the, the ladies that leads worship for us there, her name is Grace, and she came up to me and she said, hey, good job. And I was like, ah, I didn't do good. I felt like there was something missing. And she was like, Jake, you got to relax. Um, but I went home that night. I stopped at Culver's. 
part of our, our family's tradition on Saturday nights is I'll bring home Culver's after church. And I like doing it because when I walk in that door in that house with Culver's, I'm treated like a superhero. Everyone's excited to see me because I got Culver's in my hand. So I get home, got Culver's. I'm walking through the door and I say hello to everybody and it's quiet. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on? I look at my son. He's sitting in the kitchen and he's just kind of staring at me. He's got this glazed look over his face. Immediately, I know something is wrong. Something happened. I'm like, okay, what what happened? And he kind of looks over to our dining room table and uh, I see a, a piece of artwork that my college friend made me. Usually it's hanging in the living room. It's framed in, in a glass frame and stuff like that. And, but there it is sitting on the table. It's just a piece of paper, no glass, no frame. So immediately I, I start to put things together and I realize he probably broke it. Then, then my wife tells me the story and of what happened. And, but my son, he is sitting there staring at me Afraid of how how I'm going to respond to this act that he did. So in that moment, I, I had a choice. Do I feed the guilt in his heart? Do I become part of the problem? Do I do I keep him to continue carrying that guilt, or do I help him let that guilt out? And by the grace of God, not by me. By the grace of God, I chose to help him release that guilt. And I said, David, it's not a big deal. No big deal. We'll get a new frame. And it's not anything to worry about, bud. Don't worry. Immediately, immediately, his whole face changed. His whole demeanor changed. It's like I had released him from, from, from something that was attempting to devour him. He ate his culvers with a smile on his face and it just made me think, oh my gosh, the role that we have in other people's guilt. We have a responsibility to aid them. We, we don't want to feed the guilt in other people's lives. We want to help them release it. And I believe that's what God has called us to do. As we live out the grace of God in our lives, We want that grace to pour into the lives of other people, and we can't do that if we are making other people feel guilty as well. So no matter what you have come in this room with today, whether you are full of guilt or, or, or whether you have a loved one that is known, that you know that has guilt, Jesus, he is calling us down from the tree. He is calling us to rest at his feet. He is calling us to accept his grace. And through that grace that we receive because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, because of that grace, our hearts, they will be redirected. Our hearts, they will be renewed. And our hearts will be reinforced by the ferocious love of God. Allowing us today to declare it is eviction day. And it is time for guilt to pack. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.